Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you are joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, June 8th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu discussion questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now, let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Behalachka, and it means, In Your Going Up. Numbers 11, 1-17 The people took to complaining bitterly before Hashem. Hashem heard and was incensed. A fire of Hashem broke out against them, ravaging the outskirts of the camp. The people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to Hashem and the fire died down. That place was named Tibera because a fire of Hashem had broken out against them. The riffraff in their midst fell a gluttonous craving. And then the Israelites wept and said, If only we had meat to eat! We remember the fish that we used to eat in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. Now our gullets are shriveled. There is nothing at all, nothing but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and in color it was like bdellium. The people would go about and gather it, grind it between millstones, or pound it in a mortar, boil it in a pot, and make it into cakes. It tasted like rich cream. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall upon it. Moses heard the people weeping, every clan apart, each person at the entrance of his tent. Hashem was very angry, and Moses was distressed. And Moses said to Hashem, Why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not enjoyed your favor, that you have laid the burden of all this people upon me? 
Did I conceive all this people? Did I bear them? That you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom, as a nurse carries an infant, to the land that you have promised on oath to their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give to all this people, when they whine before me and say, Give us meat to eat? I cannot carry all this people by myself, for it is too much for me. If you would deal thus with me, kill me rather, I beg you, and let me see no more of my wretchedness. Then Hashem said to Moses, Gather for me seventy of Israel's elders of whom you have experience as elders and officers of the people, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their place there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will draw upon the spirit that is on you, and put it upon them. They shall share the burden of the people with you, and you shall not bear it alone. 1 Kings 3.3-4.34 And Solomon, though he loved Hashem and followed the practices of his father David, also sacrificed and offered at the shrines. The king went to Gibbon to sacrifice there, for that was the largest shrine. On that altar Solomon presented a thousand burnt offerings. At Gibbon Hashem appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and Hashem said, Ask, what shall I grant you? Solomon said, You dealt most graciously with your servant my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in integrity of heart. You have continued this great kindness to him by giving him a son to occupy his throne, as is now the case. And now, Hashem, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am a young lad with no experience in leadership. Your servant finds himself in the midst of the people you have chosen, a people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Grant, then, your servant an understanding mind to judge your people, to distinguish between good and bad, for who can judge this vast people of yours? Hashem was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And Hashem said to him, Because you asked for this, you did not ask for long life, you did not ask for riches, you did not ask for the life of your enemies, but you asked for discernment and wisdom in dispensing justice. I now do as you have spoken. I grant you a wise and discerning mind. There has never been anyone like you before, nor will anyone like you arise again. And I also grant you what you did not ask for, both riches and glory all your life, the like of which no king has ever had. And I will further grant you long life, if you will walk in my ways and observe my laws and commandments, as did your father David. Then Solomon awoke. It was a dream. He went to Jerusalem, stood before the ark, and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented offerings of well-being, and he made a banquet for all his courtiers. Later, two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The first woman said, Please, my lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. On the third day, after I was delivered, this woman also gave birth to a child. We were alone. There was no one else with us in the house, just the two of us in the house. During the night, this woman's child died, because she laid on it. She arose in the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant was asleep, and laid him in her bosom, 
and she laid her dead son in my bosom. When I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, it was not the son I had born. The other woman spoke up, No, the live one is my son, and the dead one is yours. But the first insisted, No, the dead boy is yours, mine is the live one. And they went on arguing before the king. The king said, One says, This is my son, the live one, and the dead one is yours. And the other says, No, the dead boy is yours, mine is the live one. So the king gave the order, Fetch me a sword. A sword was brought before the king, and the king said, Cut the live child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. But the woman whose son was the live one pleaded with the king, for she was overcome with compassion for her son. Please, my lord, she cried, Give her the live child, only don't kill him. The other insisted, It shall be neither yours nor mine. Cut it in two. Then the king spoke up. Give the live child to her, he said, and do not put it to death. She is the mother. When all Israel heard the decision that the king had rendered, they stood in awe of the king, for they saw that he possessed divine wisdom to execute justice. King Solomon was now king over all Israel. These were his officials, Azariah, son of Zadok, the Kohen. Elihoreph and Achiah, sons of Shisha, scribes, Jehoshaphat, son of Achilud, recorder, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, over the army, Zadok and of Yartar, Kohanim, Azariah, son of Nathan, in charge of the prefects, Zebud, son of Nathan the Kohen, companion of the king, Ahishar, in charge of the palace, and Adoniram, son of Abda, in charge of the forced labor. Solomon had twelve prefects governing all Israel, who provided food for the king and his household. Each had to provide food for one month in the year, and these were their names, Ben-Hur in the hill country of Ephraim, Ben-Decker in Mekaz, Shelbim, Bet-Shemesh, and Ellen-Beth-Hanan, Ben-Hesed in Arubath, he governed Soko and all the Hefer area, Ben-Abinadab, and all the Naphath door. Solomon's daughter Tehath was his wife. Bena, son of Ahilud, in Tanakh and Megiddo, and all Beit Shem, which is beside Zarathan below Israel, from Beit Shane to Abel Meholah, as far as the other side of Jachmim. Ben Geber, and Ramath Gilead, he governed the villages of Yair, son of Manasseh, which are in Gilead, and he also governed the district of Argob, which is in Bashan. Sixty large towns with walls and bronze bars. Ahinadab, son of Edo, in Mahanaim. Ahimaz, in Naphtali. He too took a daughter of Solomon, Basemeth, to wife. Bena, son of Hushi, in Asher and Baloth. Jehoshaphat, son of Parua, in Issachar. Shimei, son of Elah, in Benjamin. Geber, son of Uri, in the region of Gilead, the country of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og king of Bashan, and one prefect who was in the land. Yehuda and Israel were as numerous as the sands of the sea. They ate and drank and were content. Acts 6, 1-15 And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples to them, 
and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brothers, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. And they set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the Torah. For we have heard him say that this Yeshua of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Psalm 126, 1-6 When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Proverbs 16, 26 and 27 He that labors, labors for himself, for his mouth craves it of him. An ungodly man digs up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. I'd like to speak to you today from Numbers chapter 11, and then we'll jump into 1 Kings chapter 3. And in Numbers 11, Moses is a bit overwhelmed, and he is trying to manage thousands, tens of thousands of people, and it was a little much for him. And he's talking to the Lord, and he says in verse 13 and 14, he says, Where am I to get meat to give all to all these people when they whine before me and they say, Give us meat? He goes on to say, I cannot carry all this people by myself, for it is too much for me. He said, I'd rather that you just kill me. Let's be done with it. And the Lord has mercy upon Moses, and he's going to solve the problem. And he's going to do some delegation. 
And so he tells Moses in verse 16, gather 70 of Israel's elders that have experience as elders and officers and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their place there with you. Verse 17, I will come down and speak with you there and I will draw upon the spirit that is on you and put it upon them. They shall share the burden of the people with you and you shall not bear it alone. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. In his commentary to this verse, Rashi compares Moses to a candle. Just as one candle can light many others without diminishing its own flame, Moses' spirit will inspire the 70 elders he is about to gather. But his own spirit will not become lacking as a result. Candles are often thought of as a symbol of spirituality. The Shabbat is brought in with the lighting of candles, and its completion is marked with the Havdalah ceremony, which also features a lit candle. Just as the flame of a candle can illuminate a dark room, the holiness of Shabbat is meant to radiate and illuminate the rest of the week. Similarly, candles were lit daily on the menorah, the lamp in the Beit HaMikdash, the temple. According to the sages of the Midrash, the menorah was not designed to provide light in the sanctuary, but rather to spread the light and holiness to the rest of the world. For this reason, the windows of the Beit HaMikdash were constructed with a unique design, narrow on the inside and wide on the outside. The Beit HaMikdash in Jerusalem, the temple, is the source of holiness in the world. It is the duty of the children of Israel to spread that holiness and serve as a light unto the nations. And I'll add to that, recently when I was visiting Israel, I had an opportunity to go through the uh, Holocaust Museum, and I've been through it before, and there is a separate structure from the main museum of Yad Vashem that is uh, kind of a, a hallmark in honor of all of the children that perished in the Holocaust. And someone was design someone was asked to design a memorial hall in to commemorate all of the children that perished in the Holocaust. And and how do you do that? Well he came up with an ingenious idea. He took one single candle and he designed a hall of all these mirrors and when you walk through it in the darkness the one candle is reflected over and over and over and over again through all these mirrors and it looks like you're walking through the night sky and you see hundreds and thousands of stars little pinpoints of light and each light represents one of the children that perished in the holocaust and it all it's all comes from one light source and then it's just reflected over and over and over again with all the mirrors it truly is quite ingenious and quite amazing to behold so each one of us is a light and we have the light of yeshua burning in our heart and around us it's getting darker and darker and it's so important to shine the light and the love of yeshua to the people around us. So now let's jump into 1 Kings chapter 3, and King Solomon is just beginning, just getting started as the king over Israel. 
And so he's now praying to the Lord, and he's asking the Lord a specific prayer request. He does not ask for fame or fortune or reputation or anything selfish. What he asks for is that the Lord would grant him wisdom and discernment to be able to rule over the people as a just and a righteous king. So that's in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. Here is his request, where it is written, Grant then your servant an understanding mind to judge your people, to distinguish between good and evil. For who can judge this vast people of yours? And the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. King Solomon attains prophecy, and Hashem asks him what he desires. Though he could have sought riches or a long life, he asks for an understanding mind or a mind of wisdom so that he can properly judge the children of Israel. According to Jewish tradition, King Solomon becomes the wisest of all men and masters of all subjects and languages, even those of the animals. He also demonstrates deep understanding of human beings, as demonstrated by the well-known case described in this chapter, where he correctly discerns who is the true mother of a disputed baby. The people of Israel rejoice in their king's wisdom, and thus they unite behind him. This is King Solomon's reward for asking Hashem for something that would not only help him, but would bring benefit to the nation and the entire world. Going beyond one's individual needs to serve the nation is one of the signs of a true leader. Continuing on in chapter 4, the chapter concludes with chapter 4, verse 20. It says, Yehuda and Israel were as numerous as the sands of the sea. They ate and drank and were content. And the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Unlike King David, who began his rule only over Judah, King Solomon rises to power over a united kingdom comprising all of Judah, the southern kingdom, and Israel, the northern kingdom. As Radok notes, everyone in the kingdom recognizes King Solomon's rule due to the universal recognition of his God-given wisdom. The chapter ends with the reward for unity among the people of Israel. They become as numerous as the sand on the seashore and successful in the land of Israel, thereby seeing the fulfillment of the blessing Hashem gave to Abraham. So the last thing I'd like to touch on today is from Psalms. And we read a short psalm today, Psalm 126. And in some ways, this psalm is a future prophetic proclamation of the greater exodus to come. That we of God's people who still live in the diaspora, who are still scattered and dispersed throughout the nations, and we don't live in Israel yet, we can visit, but we don't live there, that there's a day coming when Yeshua will return and, and gather his remnant people who are scattered to all the nations, and he's going to gather them and bring them home to Israel. And this psalmist is singing. It could be that in the first dispersion, the first exile, when the Jewish people went to Babylon, 
that he could be singing about that period historically, but I believe it's also future prophetic of a future in gathering. So let's just read it again, and then I'll comment. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Okay, so. Verse 2, when our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. So, when Abraham and Sarah had their miracle baby, um, before it happened, and the angel came and told Abraham that in a year he'd have a son, Sarah overheard, and in a scorning, kind of a mocking way, she laughed, like, oh yeah, right, I'm way past childbearing, that's impossible. And then, of course, a year later, she's with child and she gives birth and she names her son Isaac. And Isaac in Hebrew means laughter. So she laughs because God has absolutely given her a miracle baby when she least expected it. And so Isaac, the child, is a prophetic picture of a miracle nation that is going to be born. And it's going to seem impossible. Isaiah 54 talks about, Sing, O barren woman, you who are without children, for more shall be your children than the woman who already has children. And this picture of of a woman giving birth, it comes up in Isaiah chapter 66. Can a nation be born in a day? And also it comes up in Revelation 12, the woman who flees to the wilderness, to the place prepared for her by the father, where she gives birth to a son. And then she, her offspring, they go to this wilderness place where she's nourished and taken care of and provided for by the father for 1260 days. So a miracle nation is going to be born, just like Isaac was a miracle baby. And this miracle nation's name is going to be called Zion. And it will happen suddenly and quickly and miraculously. Now we have a miracle nation right now called Israel. And it was born in May of 1948. And so this is being done in stages. This redemption is being done in stages and in steps. And so that was a stage. That was a step. But Israel is a secular nation. And though there are religious elements within the nation... It is a democracy and it is secular and it's not run. The the governmental laws and precepts and principles are not based upon the Torah. It's just, it's a secular nation. But there's a day coming when a nation called Zion will be born and that nation will be God's children, those who are living in Israel and those who are scattered to all the nations, those who love Yeshua, those who love his word, his Torah. And when I say Torah, I mean Genesis to Revelation, the whole enchilada, all of it. And um, who look to to Yeshua to be as their king. And it's going to happen suddenly and quickly. 
and that nation will be born amidst great travail and birth pangs. This is why Yeshua warned us in Matthew 24 that just prior to his return, it'll be like a woman in labor. There will be birth pangs. And he gave us some of the signs of those birth pangs. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, plagues, etc. Now the last two verses of this psalm I love. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So this is painting us a picture of those that are working hard in the harvest field, planting seed and and pulling out the weeds and digging the ditches for irrigation. And, and then there's a time of harvest of bringing in the sheaves and that though those seeds were sown with tears, that there's going to be a transformation, a suddenly transformation, and all of a sudden the tears are going to become joy. And that looks different for each individual person for their unique situation and circumstance. But he does do that. He transforms our tears into joy. He does a suddenly turnaround. In the same way that in the book of Ruth, when it looked like, all of the, no, not Ruth, Esther. In the book of Esther, when it looked like all of God's people, all the Jewish people were going to be wiped out and destroyed by Haman and his henchmen, all of a sudden, suddenly there's a quick turnaround and the king lifts up Mordecai. The queen goes before the king and puts her request before him and the evil is destroyed. There's a quick turnaround. And so God does, he operates in suddenlies. It can be hard because you have to wait and wait and wait and wait upon the Lord and not get ahead of him. And then when he acts, he acts very suddenly. So that is the test of faith, is to wait upon him and not get ahead of him, not take things in our own hands, to wait upon the Lord. And then when he acts, he acts quickly. And when he opens the door and it's supposed to be for you to walk through it, then you walk through it. So may those of you who have sown in tears, sowing the seed of the word of God, may you reap an abundant harvest and may those tears be transformed to joy. And I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Yevrekadonai Vikunekha 
Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.